As a listener to Intelligent Medicine, you know that fish oil provides the vital omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that support your cardiovascular, brain, nerve, vision, immune system, joint, and skin health, as well as your inflammatory balance. My preferred fish oil brand is Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions, including soft gels, liquid, and enteric-coated options in a variety of potencies. Vital Nutrients even offers a high-performance and nutrient-dense vegan omega supplement option. Vital Nutrients' line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions are held to the most rigorous quality standards in the industry, ensuring maximum freshness, purity, and potency. I use Vital Nutrients myself and recommend it to my patients. For more information and to order, call 888-328-9992. That's 888-328-9992. Or go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co for the Vital Nutrients line of Ultra Pure Omega-3 Solutions. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to talk about COVID, but uh, we're not going to talk about uh, natural supplements or breakthrough medications or even the vaccine. Uh, we're going to talk about how the whole matter of COVID was handled. And uh, one of the big controversies uh, is the range of how countries dealt with COVID. Uh, on the one hand, you have China. Uh, with a zero COVID policy, uh, the U.S. Uh, somewhere in between, uh, some more draconian methods applied in places like uh, Australia. Uh, and yet Sweden was an outlier. Uh, it uh, at first uh, instituted virtually no restrictions. Uh, then it didn't order the wearing of face masks. It wasn't as if uh, Sweden completely ignored COVID and adopted a letter rip approach. Uh, but the end result is worth examining because uh, it's kind of an experiment, like a you know comparison of how the different uh, regimes worked in terms of uh, controlling the pandemic. And today we're going to talk to uh, an investigative journalist from Sweden. Uh, he's Johan Anderberg, uh, and he's written a fascinating new book entitled The Herd, How Sweden Chose Its Own Path Through the Worst Pandemic in 100 Years. Uh, the book is uh, now available, and it's a fascinating analysis of uh, how Sweden uh, managed the pandemic. So without further ado, here's uh, Johan Anderberg. Uh, Johan, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us from uh, Sweden. Where are you located in Sweden? Thanks. Uh, I'm in Stockholm. Okay, great. So, uh, you know, through the miracle of modern communications, uh, we're talking to you uh, overseas. Uh, so uh, I have here uh, in front of me, and it's, this is very timely, a headline from the UK Telegraph, a uh, major newspaper in Britain. Uh, headline, Sweden's COVID death rate among lowest in Europe despite avoiding strict lockdowns. So uh, explain how you got involved in this project and uh, what it revealed. Sure. I mean, uh, me and my publisher we kind of decided early on that this was pretty much the the story of the decade in Sweden since um, 
not only because we did things so differently, but also because the rest of the world was so fascinated or mostly uh, sort of deterred by how Sweden handled it in the beginning. In some cases, appalled by what was happening in Sweden. Appalled, Sweden, yeah, Sweden, Sweden became a great sort of a, uh, it, it was sort of a whipping boy for uh, the pandemic. Like, how could the Swedes be so irresponsible as to have such lax restrictions and so on and so forth? Yeah. And the New York Times even dubbed it Sweden the pariah state during pariah the state. pandemic. Wow. So it was pretty bad for a while. And, um, but I think the, the Swedish strategy was very misrepresented in uh, foreign media and, and even in Swedish media. And I think uh, I, was kind of, I kind of knew that there would be material in, to, to read to read up on since we have pretty liberal freedom of information laws so that I kind of knew I would be able to to read the, the deliberations afterwards. So um, it felt like a good project for a book since it was quite a lot of material to go through. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a case study in how a country uh, handled the pandemic. And it, it, by no means was it a, a letter rip approach, right? It wasn't like Sweden just said, okay, you know, we're just going to, and by the way, the title of the book, The Herd, the connotation is that uh, Sweden chose the path of herd immunity, which would mean, I'll just let everybody get exposed to it. And, you know, that's going to take care of things. Yeah, I, I mean, in a way, Sweden had the same strategy as everyone else. And that was to flatten the curve. And... I guess it got a little bit mixed up um, with the Chinese strategy, which, which was more like zero COVID. And very few countries um, had that strategy in the beginning, I think. But then I don't know what happened, but it feels like it, there was a bit of a mission creep that at first it was all about protecting the healthcare system. But then it sort of morphed into this general idea that no one should ever get COVID. And... So, so I guess Sweden basically had the same strategy that uh, everyone else said they had in the beginning, but then like the paths diverged a little bit. When I guess a lot of European politicians started panicking, and some uh, and that kind of spread to the U.S. after a while as well. Is the situation in Sweden uh, analogous to the, the situation in the United States where the polarization was along political lines? Uh, you know, it, it's as if one uh, political party became the lockdown party and the other uh, party became the, you know, freedom letter rip party, you know, with polar yeah. opposite uh, viewpoints. Is it, was that a little bit the situation there or is uh, Sweden a little bit more moderate in its uh, political polarization? During the first year, it was really polarized. And, but the funny thing is that it was actually the right-wing parties that wanted to lock down and wanted really? to have face mask requirements. Interesting. And the left, yeah. So, uh, and Anders Tegnell, the uh, state epidemiologist who was pretty much the guy in charge, he was even uh, accused of like socialist tendencies because he said a few things at some press conferences that it was he, that he thought lockdowns were unfair because rich people could go like to their summer houses, whereas uh, mm-hmm. poor people stay at home in their tiny apartments in the suburbs. So, um, and he also said that it's kind of unfair because some people have a really easy time working from home, whereas other people still mm-hmm. have to go to work. 
And that's there's a, a sort of an elitism about that because it, it turns out the people least affected were the affluent, were the people who had uh, uh, white collar jobs uh, who didn't have to show up. They weren't in the service industry. Uh, they weren't in factories, uh, but they could kind of sit there and do Zoom conferences. And so interesting that yeah. the left embraced a, a more lenient policy and, and the right a more draconian uh, lockdown. Yeah, and I, I think. I mean, I mean, it doesn't really make sense either way. I think <laughs> with the lockdown, but I guess you could you, you can make the right wing uh, sort of libertarian argument for no lockdowns, and you can make the left wing argument for no lockdowns. I guess exactly. Well, so, so what role did uh, the acceptance of herd immunity play in the strategy? Because uh, you know, from my standpoint uh, as a physician, uh, I believe that with COVID, there's the short long road, you know, which is lockdown, zero COVID, but ultimately, you know, more vulnerability as we're seeing now in China as, as really the pandemic is exploding uh, versus uh, the long short road, uh, which is, uh, you know, a little more leniency and allowing more people to get uh, milder versions of COVID, protect the vulnerable, of course, uh, use vaccines, yeah. use medications where appropriate, use uh, social distancing in some circumstances, but not to paralyze the economy. Yeah, I think uh, th that's one thing that's been very sensitive in Sweden, because to me, and it's pretty clear in my book as well, that they, the Swedish authorities really had a herd immunity strategy that that they were kind of, that they trusted that the pandemic would wane pretty fast and that if you lock down the best thing you could hope for was that it would like de decrease cases but then they would come roaring back anyway if you went like whenever you opened up so uh -huh. i thought it was a very important part of the strategy throughout but they uh, but it became so sensitive so they Start denying that they that it was a part of the strategy, and they also never sp really spoke about the concept of herd immunity after like two or three months. So then they started talking about population immunity instead, mm -hmm. even though it basically means the same thing when they talk about it. So that was kind of interesting because w when I started reading all this uh, old scientific literature, uh, it was pretty. I mean, it's pretty standard concept. It was like in all the textbooks and all the mm -hmm. epidemiological, and you probably know that as a physician as well. So yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting that it became so um, and so um, what do you say, like um, politically incorrect almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, part of the book, you know, discusses our, our previous reactions to uh, pandemics. Uh, you know, and there's a historical precedent for this and there's a there's a public health uh, establishment and there's a bunch of epidemiologists who uh, come up with strategies for dealing with this and it seems that uh, this was very different very different from any antecedent uh, viral respiratory infections which have you know they have been uh, at the very least epidemics if not pandemics uh, periodically through the decades recently And um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Could you uh, elaborate a little bit? On yeah, that? what I'm saying is that uh, it, it, there is a sort of a, a containment policy 
uh, for, you know, previous uh, influenzas, for example. Uh, but I don't recall, you know, in my long lifetime, uh, you know, having to stay at home, uh, closing down businesses, uh, having to wear masks. Uh, clearly, this is something, you know, a, a magnitude more serious than some previous uh, influenza outbreaks. But there's it was a whole different ballgame when it came to yeah. uh, the, the response. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because when you read all these pandemic strategies from 2019 and before, it's pretty obvious that uh, lockdowns weren't really a part of any strategy and school closures were were not really a part of the strategy either. There was some talk, I think, in the US about maybe 12 weeks or something like that. But the truth about school closures was that people really didn't know if they worked. And it, the funny thing was that Anders Tegner had actually written an article in The Lancet uh, in 2008, I think, about school closures. And it was very inconclusive. And it was basically no one knows if, if this works at all. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of interesting to see so many countries taking that approach since the um, downside risks are so obvious. Okay, folks, at this point, let's hear a word from our, one of our sponsors. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Relief line of soft gels. Plus CBD Relief is the ideal way to help promote a healthy inflammatory response. Plus CBD Relief is doctor-formulated with recovery-supporting ingredients, including CBD, CBDA, and Levagen plus PEA. Relief soft gels help address minor everyday soreness, support joint function, and encourage recovery following strenuous activity. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's Relief Soft Gels. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you through their generous underwriting. And now back to today's guest, investigative journalist, Johan Anderberg. Yeah, I have an article here uh, from CNBC. Uh, and the headline is, Bill Gates is quoted as saying, if every country does what Australia did, the world could prevent the next pandemic. He, he's all for uh, very restrictive measures because in Australia, I mean, literally, you couldn't leave the house. I mean, there were videos of people being tackled, you know, when they went out to, uh, you know, smoke a cigarette or, or walk their dog. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah. he, he and he wields a lot of uh, influence on. Uh, global health. I think that's the project that he's staked out for himself in his philanthropy. And he's very involved with the World Health Organization and various uh, health initiatives. Um, what say you to that assertion? I mean, I think there's a great deal of groupthink in those circles. Um, I mean, Bill Gates is obviously an extremely intelligent person, and he's done a lot of good stuff for the world. But I think he, like, my opinion is that he's gotten this completely backwards. Uh, the reason why, I mean, it's pretty obvious that the Australian way 
wasn't viable in the long run. And I think the politicians there realized it in the end because they did have to open up and they did have to sort of let the virus in. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have fewer deaths than the rest of the world, but I think the biggest reason for that is the remote location. It's an island, in effect. Yeah. Yeah. And they could they could sort of pull up the drawbridge, uh, you know, like and the castle was protected by a moat, you know. So yeah, you can do that. But uh, in a country that depends so much on uh, international travel and communication, as uh, Sweden's part of Scandinavia, um, that's that is viable, is it? No, and twenty percent of the Swedish population is born abroad, so there's like so there are so many links to the outside world and. Uh, Sweden has become this very international community in the last couple of decades. So, I mean, we we were hit really hard and really early, uh, and especially Stockholm uh, in this pandemic. So, it, it, it was here even before it was on the news. So, um, it's pretty interesting, actually, because the, the countries that have uh, been less hit by COVID... They're almost all, I think they're all like very remote nations, like, like Norway, like Iceland, like Taiwan, like South Korea, uh, Australia, New Zealand. So, um, it's, um, and it, I think, I think there are like more, even more layers of complexity here. So, um, and, and some of them are just my theories. Maybe I shouldn't even go into them, but obviously the underlying public health is also a, a really important part of this. Uh, there's also this notion that uh, countries in the world are now part of a globalist uh, and internationalist uh, approach where uh, countries coordinate their response. And how is it that Sweden kind of was not in lockstep with that? Because, uh, you know, there's World Health Organization and had a, we had a lot of influence uh, in effect, made policy for a lot of countries that adopted their policies. Uh, how is it that Sweden kind of, you know, stepped away from uh, a, you know, that concerted international opinion? I mean, the short answer is that they all thought the WHO guidelines were stupid. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> that's what they say in the emails. And they, they have like some really good explanations as to why the WHO recommends this and that and why. Uh, some countries do this, some countries do that. And it's like, they, they just, they see it as purely political. And the, the people who are in charge in Sweden, they, I mean, they're kind of special. They, they're, they're like almost on the spectrum, so to speak. It's like, they, uh, they right. care very, they care very, very little about what other people think about. Right. And they manage to just, not, not care for like a year or two, and then some politicians freak out and they right. they actually make few restrictions, mostly symbolical, I'd say, and and yeah, so it's it's, it's it has very much to do with the, the personality of these characters, I think. Exactly. I mean, but there's it seemed to be sort of an independent streak about uh, Swedes uh, because they didn't uh, opt for the same measures that their uh, compatriots in say, France, Spain, Germany, uh, opted for. Um, so w- was there a little bit of a panic in Sweden, you know, after the initial uh, phase of the pandemic where the restrictions were not that 
strict. And then they noticed that adjacent countries were doing better in the initial phase. But I mean, that's the, the short, long road versus the long, short road. And we have to you know, look at the end of the experiment, which we're uh, coming up to now with uh, two years under a belt where Sweden is actually doing better than many countries. Yeah, I mean, it looked really bad for a couple of months. Sweden was like uh, the the most hard hit countries for a few weeks, and especially like if you compare it to Germany, mm-hmm. which is our biggest neighbor, we had like so many more deaths per capita. But then when you look at these WHO figures now, it's uh, Germany actually has a slightly higher excess death. Mm-hmm. Than, than yeah, I actually, I actually have I have the figures uh, here. Uh, the, the figures now show uh, that uh, here's when we talk about excess death, and, and that's really a good figure yeah. because what we're talking about is, uh, you know, sometimes it was the death really attributable to, to COVID, you know, are the tests accurate? Did people have, you know, other causes of death where they happen to have COVID? So excess death is a good metric. So the, it, it says in 2020 and 2021, Sweden had an average excess death rate of 56 per 100,000. Get this, compared to 109 per 100,000 in the UK, 111 in Spain, 116 in Germany, and 133 in Italy. That, that's virtually half of comparable uh, countries, comparable, uh, you know, Western developed countries in Europe. Yeah. And, and, and if you add these two facts together, that the fact that Swedish kids got to go to school for two years yeah. and that there are fewer deaths, I mean, that points to a massive policy failure in most of the Western world, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty surprised that not more journalists are on this story because it's such a, com- I mean, it's like a Vietnam style yeah. policy era. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, but, you know, you, I, I don't know if you've been exposed to uh, U.S. media, but for a long time, Sweden was literally the whipping boy of U.S. media. Uh, many yeah. papers in the United States were saying, what y'all are doing in Sweden is insane. You know, how could you be so irresponsible? It's just, you know, crazy. Uh, we know better. At least, you know, we're going to enact proper uh, lockdowns and restrictions and measures to uh, flatten the curve and then ultimately uh, reduce the toll. Yeah, and I think it's pretty uh, weird that they're not revisiting their initial <laughs> hypothesis. They never <laughs> like, do. They never do. Yeah, just go back and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen a few minor retractions here and there, like almost, you know, like buried deep in like the 10th paragraph and stuff like that. So, but I, I mean, I guess it is difficult to. Uh, to be that wrong, um, I, I've been wrong before as well, but I, no one has paid any attention to my views. <laughs> right. So uh, this is like the first time as a writer I've like stuck my neck out a little bit. And okay. So I guess it would would have been like very difficult if I had been wrong. So I exactly. totally understand. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, your 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 views have been ultimately vindicated. Uh, we're going to pause at this point because we divide our podcast into two parts. Uh, the book is entitled The Herd, How Sweden Chose Its Own Path Through the Worst Pandemic in 100 Years. The book is now available. The author I'm talking to uh, from Stockholm, Sweden, journalist Johan Anderberg. 
I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.